welcome again to another evening. I'm Danny. Uh, I'm over on Instagram as at Blotted Ink Books, and I'm being joined on this episode by the delightful Nikki May, author of Wahala. Um, I met Nikki at the book party back in July, and she was just like the warmest ray of sunshine uh, to me. And also, small world, we are both very familiar with my hometown. Um, and it was really cool to chat with her and to bond a little bit about that. And as soon as I invited her onto the podcast, um, I was very, very lucky that she was excited to come on and chat with me all about her novel. Um, I know Amina from Amina's Bookshelf was like, love this book, um, which is high praise indeed. Um, but yes, I am going to chat to Nikki. I'm going to chat to her all about her novel, uh, maybe what comes next for her and obviously dive into her novel evening. Check it out. A massive hello to Nikki. Hello. Hi, Danny. Thanks for having me. It's good oh, to be here. Thank you so much for coming to join me. Um, it's obviously a very hot day in England. When this goes out, we'll probably have rain and be complaining that it's wet again. But right now, it's it's sweltering. But it's better to be here in our homes, not at the book party, in the sun, drinking lots and getting even hotter. It was a very hot day at the book party. It was a very hot evening. Um, I blame the heat entirely for everything that took place. <laughs> Me too. I, I, that's a good idea. Me too. It was wonderful to meet you at the book party, though. It was it was such a fun night. Uh, did you enjoy it? I loved it. It was just surreal being with so many people because my book came out in Omnicron. So it was really nice. Me And meeting bloggers that you sort of think you know from the interweb, but actually meeting them in person. And they're all such lovely people, including you. So no, it was okay. such a good night. It was lovely. <laughs> it was wonderful. I have to say it was, it, like you say, very surreal with these people that, especially as a book blogger, I chat to all the time. I've made some wonderful friends. But to kind of meet people and then look at their name tag and go, oh my God, it's you. I know, there's lots of staring at breasts to try and work out <laughs> who is that before you made a mistake. But it was a really good night. I hope we do it again. Oh my God, I hope so. I really hope so. Um, I think the plan is is definitely to kind of make it a bit more regular as well, I think is something they're, they're looking at. So I'm I game. Mean. I'm game. Um, it was worth travelling up from deepest, yes, deepest darkest southwest England. <laughs> yes. God's chosen country. I know, and what a small world for, for you and I to meet. Obviously, I'm very familiar with where you live in the southwest. The um, first person I've met who'd heard of Beminster. It's like, it's what? <laughs> but that's where I went to secondary school. That's about all that's in Beminster, isn't it? It's the secondary yeah. school and a couple yeah. of shops. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lovely and local bookshop, a really nice indie bookshop, though, Little Toller. I did not know there was a bookshop there now, yeah. so that's yeah. very exciting. Come back and buy books. I shout, I have family in Bridport still. I'm always in Bridport. Um, it's my hometown. It will always be home. You know what it's like, no matter how far you go from places like that. I know. Still home. I mean, you're technically a grockle. So even though you've been here years and years. <laughs> I'll be a grockle forever, but I don't intend to move. So I'll be a grockle till the day I die. Oh, I love it. I love it. And obviously there is a special, there's something about writers from places like this where I find that you get really well supported by local media, local bookshops. We really like local people done good. Yes. Even they're grockles. Um, yes. we, we do love that. And congratulations on Wahala because it's done fantastically. Thank you. It's surreal. It's still, it's seven months, I think, eight months. It came out in January, so eight months in August. And it still feels, I'm still pinching myself most days. I mean, it's stunning as well. What cover? I mean, did you know the cover was going to look that kind of vibrant and stark? No, and I was really nervous when they sh when you get that, we're going to show you covers today phone call, and you're like, oh my God, what's it going to be? And all I didn't want was to 
three, as three silhouetted heads. And I was over the moon with my cover. It was instant. It was just like, yes, I love it, which is just as well because they loved it and they weren't going to change it. So Amina from Amina's Bookshelf is a very big fan of the book. You met her at the book party. And when I told her I was going to record with you, she was very, very excited. She sung the praises of this novel and she explained to me what the meaning of the title was. Yes. And one question that she sort of suggested to me was like, I would really love to know if she always knew it was going to be called that. So explain to me, you know, explain to people who are listening the meaning of the title and where, where that came from for you. So the Wahala the book started after a long lunch with friends at a Nigerian restaurant and most of them were Nigerian or half Nigerian or had lived in Nigeria or were just very close to Nigerian people. So at this lunch we kind of code switched and we talked louder and we spoke a bit of pidgin and we talked about things that my English friends wouldn't understand like oh gosh there's no power in Lagos at the minute or oh my dad's generator has broken down and then as I boarded the slow train home to Krukan in the middle of nowhere I felt myself code switch back into English me. And that's where the story was born. It was, I wanted to write a story that had people like me in it, mixed race, straddling two homes, two cultures. And I also wanted to show how three women at the same, with the same racial makeup could feel so differently about their lives. So I put pen to paper when I got back off the train and wrote a manuscript in about three months. And I loved it. I loved my characters. Ronke arrived fully formed. Boo and Simi took a bit more work. But after I printed it out, it takes a lot of paper to print 90,000 yeah. words, yeah. read it back and realised it was a pile of crap because nothing happened. It was just three women who went for lunch a lot, bitched a lot, went shopping a lot, drank a lot, it just nothing actually happened and I was ashamed of myself embarrassed put it in a drawer pledged never to think about it again but the girls just were walking around my head they wouldn't let me go and it was like a eureka moment when I woke up and thought I know what they need they need wahala and wahala is in Nigeria you'll hear it 10 times a day usually with a sigh or a groan it means trouble and what my girls needed was lots of trouble and because I knew them so well because they've been invading my brain I knew exactly what sort of trouble I, I knew the worst thing I could do to each of them the worst possible wahala so picked up my manuscript out of its deep dark drawer ripped it up put it together and that was wahala what shocked me was that it kept the name because I was so sure my agent said they'll change the name you know so I was resigned to the name going and I was just over the moon that my UK publisher my US publisher and even the BBC are keeping the name Wahala which just every time I see it I break into a smile because it's a word that won't mean anything to most people yeah. over here but I think it's just a lovely word I think it has it, it sounds like trouble yeah yeah so, it really does. Amina said she was like I thought it was such a genius title um, and again, yeah, it, it was kind of lost on me, you know, what a common expression and phrase it is. And you mentioned very briefly there the BBC. Yes. So what, what is happening there? So even before it came out as a book in January, it had been not just option, but greenlit by the BBC. So they're making a six part TV series of Wahala, which is just surreal. I mean, it's when I actually started writing in my head, I wanted to write a brown Big Little Lies. I loved Big Little Lies. I think amazing. I watched it. Book, I know. And book and show, which is quite unusual. Usually book is great, show not so good. But I thought it was just brilliant. So in my head, I was seeing this brown Big Little Lies. And having worked in advertising, I did see things quite 
visually. So some of the scenes, there's an Oan bear scene in the book, which is going to become quite important when we talk about my evening. And at this big party scene, I could actually see it in front of me as I was clacking into my computer. So it's just over the moon. It's going to be on BBC probably next September. But these things are always fluid. And I don't know who's in it yet, so don't ask. But it's amazing. Will you get to find out when casting and things happen? Do yes, you they're being so collaborative. I mean, I don't have any say, but they are being amazingly collaborative. So the script is being written by Therese Coco, who was BAFTA nominated for Rocks. Yep. So she's a superstar. She's also Anglo-Nigerian, so she gets it. And it's being produced by Liz Kilgariff, who did Bodyguard. She did Luther. She did The wow. Cry. She even did a couple of Paul Darks. So she is just amazing. And they love it. They get it. And I trust them. And also the great thing is because you don't have any real involvement, if it's absolute crap, I can say nothing to do with me. And if it's absolutely brilliant, I can say that's all me. Oh, yes, that's the best bit. Yeah. <laughs> You can plead absolute ignorance if it's awful. I'm sure with, you know, calibre like that behind it, I'm absolutely sure it will not be. Um, that's incredibly exciting. Again, congratulations. Thank you. That, that's wild. Um, well done, you. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see a story like this play out on screen. I think we're becoming more aware of the stories that we're telling now, uh, both through books and, and through television. I also think it'd be nice to see three brown women who are front and central in a story. Yes. You often have the mixed race detective or the mixed race girl who gets killed in part two or we're bit part. So I just think it'd be nice to show us front and central because one of the main messages of my book is we have more in common than we have that divides us. You know, we are just normal, regular people living our best lives. And my what I wanted to show was almost the, the take away the otherness. We're just women. Yeah, and I know as well, see, I grew up uh, in Dorset, I grew up in Bridport. Um, it's a small town and, you know, we are not the most diverse culturally in the Southwest. Um, I think I had one mixed race boy in my entire school, in all of my schooling from very young, right the way through. And I moved to Calgary when I was 16 and went to high school and was suddenly a minority in high school, which was the, the most shock. Yeah. 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 And I think it's it's really cool now that I think we're kind of just seeing a whole change here as well and people are really getting invested in you know literature by black authors and tv shows and I think like you say quite often you see a mixed race character as a psychic or the best yeah, friend yeah. you know and there's not really necessarily a lot of stories so like you say it's it's really fun to just see these women who are mothers and you know wives exactly. and friends and just exactly. hanging out like we all do yeah and also they're flawed. I think that's the other thing. A lot of black literature, the black people are perfectly wonderful and they're being beaten up by white people. That's not my experience. It really isn't. And I just wanted to show that like, we can be flawed. We can have isms too. We're just, you know, we're just regular folk. Yeah, oh, it's, it's fantastic. And I, one question that, again, Amina came to me as we were chatting about the book and I explained you coming on. She's very intrigued to know how much of your like own experiences in terms of kind of growing up within mixed race friendship groups is that something you've been able to relate to that you're kind of writing from experience it is I mean I, I definitely I definitely am writing it's definitely a lived experience book so it's not autobiographical but I do steal a lot of things about me and about friends to put in the book and whether it's simple things like my one of my best friends Maxine has a scatter cushion problem and her <laughs> scatter cushions ended up in Ronke's house because and it's little things that you steal which I think is a good thing I think most writers are magpies but yes I did still bits of me so I never met my white grandparents they wanted nothing to do with me after my mother married that black man never met them so I gave wrong care that sort of 
sort of issue. Um, I dropped out of medical school and freaked my dad out. Sorry, and I put gave semi that and and some and also boo that sort of adapting and not being sure who you are and tweaking your body and your shape and your everything about you so that you no longer fit in. I've definitely done that. When I first came to London and started working in advertising in my twenties, I straightened my hair. I changed my voice. I became as English as I possibly could. I even changed my name. So Morenike is my real name, but Nikki was just easier because people wouldn't ask where you're from or where you're really from. So I can understand that sort of squashing yourself into trying to fit in. So yes, lots of lived experience. Obviously, Isabel is nothing, nothing like me at all. I can be bitchy, but not quite as bad as her. But I think, and people say your book one is always a lot about you, but I'm having it with book two as well. I just seem to find that drawing on things you know, and then the beauty of fiction is you can then make them so much more exaggerated and make them wilder, but you sort of start with that kernel of truth, which seems to work. I love that. I really enjoy, you know, you're saying it's all about names. And the fascinating thing to me as a, you know, white British woman, you know, my name is Danielle. Nobody has any issue saying that, you know, it's, you know, Danielle, it's three syllables, you know? And yeah. I have a friend, her name is Kiyaza. It's also three syllables. And the amount of times I hear people say, um, can you say that again? Yeah. How do you or say can that? I just call you Kay? Because it's so complicated. Yeah, she had a teacher at school say to her, is there anything easier that we could yeah. call? And yeah. for me, I think, again, that's probably pure white privilege. For me to be like, you know, I call myself Danny because I don't like Danielle. Sorry, mum. Um, ah. That's what I call myself. But I certainly don't do it because people have an issue saying Danielle. Yeah. People can say yeah. it, even if they'd say to me, did, did you say Danielle? But like, yeah, it, would, it astounds me, the idea that people are having to shorten their names to make it more palatable in some way. But, but and I do think things are getting a hell of a lot better. I mean, I'm ancient. I'm 57. <laughs> so this changing my name to Mickey was back in the 80s. I honestly think now I wouldn't have to. I was a Love Island junkie and I just love that Digi was called Digi and nobody was like, how do you say it? Can I just call you D? He was just Digi and it was great. And yeah. so I do feel really optimistic and I think there's progress and I think people are being a lot more accepting of of actually trying to pronounce people's names. I think football helps, having so many talented oh, black footballers. Really? We can say their names. And I think people are more willing now to say, actually, it's pronounced like this. This is how you say my name, without feeling exactly. that being rudeness. But it's a very British thing as well, isn't it? Yeah. To sort of correct people and for like, yeah. we don't really, you know, if someone says something three times and you haven't heard them, you just have to nod and smile because you can't yes. ask them again. Yes. Yes. Whereas we're getting better now at saying, actually, no, you say it. Yeah, and that's why woke gets such a bad name. But there's some big, really good things about woke and being able to say, yeah. This is how you say my name, or this is how I want to be referred to, this is how I identify. I think these are all good things. Right. Yeah. You also touch on motherhood in, yes. in the book. Um, Boo's a mother is obviously her daughter is is French, and there's kind of a bit of a conflict with her allowing her daughter to explore that French identity. And you're kind of flipping the narrative a little bit there. What was his mission doing that? Was that purely to kind of show us another side of it? It was, it was for me. I actually love flipping narratives. And I actually, one of the things I was trying to explore with Boo is prejudice. Boo is obviously very prejudiced. She has lots of prejudices. But prejudice always comes from somewhere. It doesn't just, well, no, maybe not always. But prejudice often comes from somewhere. And I wanted to explain that Boo has some reasons to be prejudiced. She had her Nigerian father who left her before she was born. She never met him. Everything she hears on the news about Nigeria is negative. So she has got this thing that Nigeria bad, Nigerian men really bad. And she also, 
is worried because she grew up as the only white, the only brown person in a very white village, in a very mm. white town, in a very white family. She's worried that this her daughter seems to have. She's mothers can be jealous of their daughters. I've definitely seen it happen, and she's kind of a bit worried that how come this little girl finds it so easy to be herself and to grasp her French and her English and just be so comfortable in her skin, and even worse when Ronke turns up and making dodo and teaching her to scale woo, the little girl just grabs that too. It's almost like she's a culture sponge when Boo is like a culture vacuum. So I just wanted to again to me it was about this thing that we can all have prejudices we can all have phobias we can all be confused and it's not just a black white or a one-way thing it's kind of anybody can have these feelings oh completely you mentioned very briefly book two there you gave a little a little hint what can you tell us about book two if anything tell you that writing book two is bloody difficult and it's really hard and it's harder than book one and there's a ticking clock and there's expectation and I finally got my act together and finally three drafts later was happy was glad enough to send it to my editors just before I went to Lagos so a month ago the day literally the morning of my flight I pressed send on the email and said to my agent please do not contact me on holiday I don't want to know if they hate it just don't tell me and got back 10 days later to find they love it but of course they have ideas they have thoughts so I'm currently in that editing stage again where I'm going to rip it apart and tear it to shreds and feel completely useless and self-doubt is part of being a writer you have to have it in bucketfuls it's part of our armour. But no, it's um, set half in Lagos, half here. There is a mixed race girl in it, I'm afraid. And it does draw on some of my life. She actually grows up in the house I grew up in Lagos. But at its heart, it's, it's, at its, heart, it's a story about love, finding your place, and about two women sort of struggling to see where they belong. And on good days, I absolutely love it. Yeah. But on bad days, it's a pile of crap. I think there's such a different expectation, as you say, you know, you write your first book and it's an organic idea that's just come to you. Um, you know, it's a passion project. You've got no time scales or, you know, you just write because you want to write. I'm I'm a exactly. writer. I'm a writer, I say in quotations, but I, you know, I'm working on something that I love. I have no pressure. I dip in and out. And I can't imagine when you're saying like, right, we need an idea that's as good as that one, but slightly different but also similar for your readers. And here's exactly. how long you have to do it. <laughs> exactly. It's really, really tough. I mean, this is wonderful problems to have, but it yeah. is much harder because the first book, you, as you said, you write for yourself and being published is just a dream. A sort of, it's like, a, you know, you, we all have those, well, I don't know if we all do, but I certainly have those moments in the shower where I pretend I'm being interviewed on Desert Island Disc. But, you know, it's just this surreal dream that gets you through. So once, it, once you actually are published, which it's absolutely wonderful, but it does make you think, oh my god can I do it again oh my god it was it a fluke oh my god is that the only book I've got in me and but apparently it's uh, and this is really sad I've spoken to people who are on their fifth book and their sixth book and they say it doesn't get any better so basically be a writer be stressed be even more doubtful of yourself it's a really stressy business oh good well if I ever manage to get a book published I'm going to take that advice <laughs> and remember it deep inside my soul <laughs> I will always be stressed you will so you mentioned a little hint of what we're going to expect from your novel, Evening. Yes. Um, I have no idea, guest-wise, who to expect, but start with where we're going to go and what we're going to be doing. Okay, well, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. I actually hate parties in real life, so this has been a joy because it's, it's, my, it's my head party. party. It's... <laughs> 
well yeah but it wasn't mine it's you know that sort of fear of nobody turning up but this I don't have to worry about I invite them you make them come so yes, it's true. going to be set at a place called Tarqua Bay which is a sheltered bay in Lagos you can only get there by boat it's on an island but because this is my party and I can do whatever I want I've chartered a private jet we're leaving from Bristol airport get your stuff we're going Tarqua Bay is lovely it's quiet it's sheltered you can swim I used to go there as a kid and we had these you know wonderful memories of childhood memories and you were chasing crabs on the beach and building sandcastles and the weather was always amazing and the food always tasted fabulous so I'm setting it there on Tarqua Bay there's going to be live music because what this is is an oambe which is a Nigerian party Nigerians are great at having parties there's one in Wahala it's a pretty yeah. big party so it's an oambe which means we've got to have music so I'm having Fela Kuti and Elvis Presley, both performing on the beach. They're both dead, but not going to let little things like that no. stop my fun. No, no, no. So, and I, I, want, I want this to be a celebration of both my cultures. So my dad loved Fela, my mum loved Elvis. I grew up with both of them in my ears. So they're both going to be there on the beach performing away. There's going to be ridiculous amounts of food, obviously. So I've got a Nigerian restaurant called Terra Culture, who are going to do all the catering, okay. jollof rice, pounded yam, suya, basically everything. And I've decided to have Soho House turn up with a pop-up bar. That's so we're going to have professional caterers. I'm having picanzo de casas all night. Yeah. Margarita is my thing. This is like a sort of margarita thing. Yeah. And there's also a dress code. Everybody has to be in Ashwebi. So okay. we've got special book special party novel evening fabric which I've brought from Vlisco and we all get a bolt of it six yards of it and we get tailors supplied Stella McCartney's involved all going to have whatever we want made beautiful clothes so that we all wear the same fabric but we've all designed our own clothes so we look different wow, yeah so that's all happening no shoes I'm afraid because it's on the beach no so, no shoes needed also you just get so, shoes filled with sand Exactly. So we're all barefoot on the beach, fella, um, Elvis, food, drink, really good setup, ready for my guests. I I have absolutely no notes <laughs> on this. You have covered everything. <laughs> it sounds fantastic. I mean, there's one thing, you know, as the British, we know how the people say we know how to party. I don't think we know how to hold a party. From what I've seen. In Nigerian culture, you guys know how to celebrate something. We are crazy celebrants. I mean, we just love parties and the bigger, the better. Everybody Yeah, there's up. no false modesty with a party. No. We're here and we're like, oh, we don't want it to be too loud or too... You just go for it, right? Showing off is a good thing in Nigeria. You need to wear your wealth. You need to show it. You need to be super happy. You need to... We love it. And... And no this... shyness with dancing, because I love a dance. No shyness nothing... at all. In fact, there's a thing which the bands are going to do, a fellow and Elvis are going to do it, which is they call... It's like, it's, called, it's like calling. So say it's Danny. You're dancing there, and they're going to be saying, Danny, she's one of the best bloggers in town, and you're going to be freaking out, dancing on the dance floor, and they're going to be singing your praises and all your friends are around you going Danny Danny and we just love doing this we think we have very big heads we're the most arrogant people I know, <laughs> you know what, though it's a good thing because as a as a British person we wear our like weird modesty and apologeticness like yeah. we're so passive aggressive as a nation um and you know actually 
we need a little more of that we do and what's lovely about Nigerians is they love celebrating success so when I was over there for my book launch if people are just like congratulations this is brilliant you know they really sort of really cheer on success there's I'm sure there's jealousy but it's a completely different sort of jealousy they love self-made people they love people who have gone and worked hard oh, and yeah. done well so lots of that at the end there lots of celebrations oh fantastic right we are ready we've got our outfits who's coming first Okay, well, first we've got F. Scott Fitzgerald, and he's turning up. He wrote The Great Gatsby. Yeah. He's here for two reasons. One, I love that book. I just adore everything about it. It's sort of a reflection on, t- on our times, and I think just as current today as it was when he wrote it. You know, that sort of looking at the hollowness of wealth and the hollowness of idleness. I just lo- And I love the narrator. I love the way... Um, Nick Carraway comes in and tells this story and pulls you through a bit like Hastings does in in Poirot stories he's this wonderful thread that leads you through I love the glitz I love the glamour and because what I'm going to do he, he arrives so F Scott Fitzgerald arrives he can have a drink from the bar he can have a little bit snack but then he's actually going to be sat in a corner with my book two manuscript and he's going to be editing while we're <laughs> passing away there's method in my madness but he's not coming on his own Okay. He is bringing the cast of the Great Gatsby film, but not the Baz Luhrmann one. I want the oh. original, the original 1974 version. So I want Robert Redford as Jay Gatsby. I want Mia Farrow as Daisy Buchanan. But I want the whole he cast. He was Mia Farrow as Daisy. Stunning. So they're going to be there in costume. In, in, you know, in role, yep. in character. We're going to have a bit Charleston going on. Yep. We're going to have fireworks. It's just going to be a little great Gatsby thing going on at the party while F. Scott Fitzgerald edits book two, gives it a first <laughs> pass, goes through, gives me detailed notes on what I need to do to sort it out. And I can't think of anything better. No, that's very sneaky. It's very, very sneaky to bring bring that poor chap in to this to work. wonderful, yeah. And this is your work for the evening. <laughs> you mustn't drink too much either. Exactly. Not <laughs> one drink. My he was quite a boozer, I think. So he could probably handle quite a lot. He was quite a boozer. I think he yeah. and his wife combined, I think, yeah. were, were fond of a beverage or, or seven. Um, my kind of people, to be fair. They, you there know, you go. <laughs> They knew how to have a party as well. So I think they'd fit right in. I think they'd be fine. And is anyone else coming? Oh, yeah. So no. we also okay. got, we also got Nick Heron. Okay. I am a huge fan of the Slough House novels. Have you read any of them? I haven't. They are so good. And there's seven. He's very prolific. I love my favourite oh. authors to be prolific. Yeah. So it's they're sort of a bit, they're spy thrillers, but they're also satire and they're also, they're terribly funny, you know, proper laugh out loud, dark comedy. And one of them was adapted into an Apple series with Gary Oldman. Absolutely stunning. So the hero of the piece is Jackson Lamb and he farts and he belches and he's rude and he's sexist and he's homophobic and he's a complete asshole and he is wonderful. He's one of my favourite characters in literature. So he's going to be there farting, belching and being rude about all the guests. And of course, because in my party, it's not just the authors I'm inviting, I'm inviting the cast of their favourite adaptations or my favourite adaptations of their work. So we're going to have them there 
and Nick Heron, who is just, a, he's very reclusive. He's not on Twitter, he's not on Facebook. He's one of those very reclusive authors. So I wanna to talk to him, I wanna pick his brains. I wanna find out how does he do this? How did he create this amazing Jackson Lamb character who for my money is probably as good as Poirot in terms of walking off the page, fully fledged, fully formed. You know, you can just imagine him, which makes Gary Oldman brilliant because in the TV, even though Jackson Lamb in my head didn't look like Gary Oldman, he just carries it off. He can embody pretty and much anyone, I think. Smart chap. He really is. As a, as a character actor, I mean, you look at the, the roles he's done, there's a bit of everything. He's I know. Fantastic. Also, I just want to meet Gary Oldman. I know, exactly. And party with him. Yeah, I bet he's fun. Okay, so they've arrived as well. The okay. going up. So I've also got Terry McMillan, who wrote a book called Waiting to Exhale. Back in the 80s, this book came out and it came out when I really needed it. I yeah. was bossing it at work and failing in my love life. And I was waiting to meet this man who would take my breath away and make life perfect. And her book turned up with three sassy black women in America who were at exactly that stage of their yeah. lives with dickhead boyfriends and problems at work and just trying to meet this wonderful man and kind of finding out that actually you're enough and you don't yeah. need this man to make you perfect, which of course is when you find him. Peter, honestly. <laughs> so yeah. she's coming and she's coming with the cast of the film version of the book, which was in 1995. So we've got... Um, Whitney Houston, Angela Bassett, Loretta Devine, in Asher Webby, dancing oh, away. Oh, man, I was going to say, as soon as you said the book name, I was like, that can't be the Whitney Houston. Yes, yes, yes. That's, I mean, what a trio of women to hang out I with know, well. I, mean, I know. And on the dance floor, I could just see them already. They're just going to be bossing it. So that's going to be fun. And I'm afraid I've got one more author coming. No, I've no, got... no. I'm so, this is so much fun. <laughs> Jane Austen, because why not? Okay, Jane is the only one I'm struggling to picture right now, but she could probably do with loosening up. She's not, she's working. Oh. Scott, F, it's, Mr Fitzgerald has had three hours. He's going to have a break. Jane gets the manuscript. You ah. sit in that corner, Jane. Here's a torch. Here's some earphones to block out the music. Sort this out. So she's got the manuscript. I think she's just such a wonderful, She her, her way of looking at women's characters in particular and that sort of snide, oh, I just love her writing. I've probably read Pride and Prejudice 10 times and I've probably watched the proper BBC one with Colin Firth a hundred times I think I watch it once a year I think I know most of the dialogue do with Colin first not at all but he is coming as you could as you've guessed the cast are coming so we've got Jennifer LA we've got Colin Firth all in their proper outfits all all exactly the same age as they were when it came out in 1995 we're going to do circular dances sand it's going to be so cool and I'm going to teach them how to like jollof rice and once Jane's done a good old good bit of three hours editing she can join in she has a break then yeah I think you're a a fair but firm (laughs) (laughs) needs must daddy (laughs) I do you know what no one's come on and done like cast adaptations which I think is so cool um it's so interesting to me because I actually, I, a good adaptation I love. A good ad, and they're hard to find, but a really good adaptation. And I think that Pride and Prejudice one was an excellent adaptation. And I think the original Great Gatsby was just a perfect one. And they, they make you almost love the book more. Yeah. So they don't, you know, they're still separate things. I will still read 
and watch again but yeah. and also they become friends don't they so to me the cast of pride and prejudice they're my mates it's gonna you know you know when you bump into a celebrity and you, you don't you really you think you know them you're like hi and so you realize actually i don't know you i just seen you on telly well that's what it's going to be like except they're all going to say hi back and hug us yeah because they'll know you i was like that at the book party though because that was all this awesome. <laughs> the worst bit of the book party for me is i didn't get to see katrina ward and I've been desperate to see her. And I, I, to be honest, I was probably drunk and she was probably there the whole time. <laughs> and then I spotted her across the room leaving. And for reasons I don't, I just sprinted at her. Stop! And I just, I'm really sorry, I know you're leaving, but I just I love your books. And she was like, thanks so much. I was like, you don't actually know who I am. <laughs> but it's wonderful. I, when I arrived at the book party and you sort of arrive and you think, oh gosh, I don't know, you know who I am. And somebody came up to you and said, you're Nikki fucking me. And I was like, I am. <laughs> honestly I don't my face hurt all night because that smile that was was split my face. <laughs> it was I know two of my friends Sabs and Amina so they came to say hi to you and they chatted you a bit and I went to Amina I was like introduce me then she was like I didn't know her I was like you do you <laughs> with her you're now friends so coming in and she stood behind you bless her I was like what like oh like, I was like I'm so sorry that I did that but I was like you do know her now you do, you do. Like and it's lovely for us and like you bought us all the drink <laughs> oh i know i remember that too it was a lovely drink <laughs> it was a lovely drink i had a lot of lovely drinks that night <laughs> and it all goes black after yes, that yes. so are your party we're all having a wonderful time yeah is there anybody that is not welcome well all the girls at wahala are there except one isabel is not welcome because we do not need her kind of when I was in Nigeria in June and it's still just as beautiful and Isabel is not allowed on the beach so she's not coming we don't want drama do we we just don't no. want that drama everyone's not that kind of drama time. no everyone's having a wonderful time um you know there might be some romance struck up between some definitely characters. I can sure. see me and Colin striking it off stop looking Peter you go and talk to someone else <laughs> <laughs> and there is the ocean for him to swim in in his shirt I know <laughs> thought of that Danny you're ahead of me there I like it I do I would not have a ha- like highbrow party tool mine would just be hot man <laughs> probably in a pool definitely definitely <laughs> with very few clothes on yeah I mean what more do you need I love this I love that it means something to you I love that it's embracing all your you know your heritage and yes. culture and aspects of what make you you and I I love it I love it and and I would be honored my book it. And my book too is getting sorted. So, you know, there's lots of wins in this scenario. Imagine being able to say to your, your agent, be like, this is my manuscript and it has been proofread by Fitzgerald and Austin. And you love it, okay? Yeah. There are no notes needed. <laughs> exactly. <Just anyway>. <laughs> <laughs> just oh, press thank print. you. This has honestly been just, just such a joy. Before I let you go and enjoy the rest of a very hot Saturday, are yes. you reading anything at the moment? I'm going to start tonight a book called Love and Other Scams Ooh, oh, what by a, a man called PJ Ellis. This is a proof. You won't, well, you, you're a blogger, you'll get advanced copy, but this comes out in March next year. And I met Phil at the book party and he's a lovely bloke, a smashing bloke. So I'm really grateful. And he sent me such a sweet note with the proof. So oh. I'm going to start that tonight. If I can get it off my husband who's seen it and read the back and has decided he really wants to read it. But what 
one of the things about writers is they're so supportive. I know when my book came out, waiting for that first blurb was like, would anybody like it? So I think, and I, writers and authors and book people, bloggers and podcasters and editors, it's really friendly and supportive, very much unlike advertising where we were all bastards. So I'm getting used to being working with nice people. And Phil was a great guy, so I hope I'm going to enjoy his book. Oh, amazing. It's true. I think Bookstagram is, uh, you know, as at large, everyone involved has been such a lovely corner of the yes. internet for me. I've met some of my absolute like dearest friends. You know, if you just yes. told me three years ago, oh, you're going to make friends on the internet and go and meet up with them in the city. I'd be like, yeah. But really? Yeah. That's how I'm going to get murdered. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> but but you, yeah, it's wonderful. And that's why the book party was so lovely because it just felt like we all knew each other. Yeah. And I think we kind of all needed it after COVID. Yeah. We needed to decompress. We needed to touch flesh. We needed to hug and just talk and just be together. Okay. So it was so well needed. And it was also just so lovely to actually realise that these people are real. They're <laughs> not just little round icons at the top of your screen. <laughs> yes, it's so fun. And obviously I'm so lucky I get to come on here and chat with, with authors like yourselves and do it. But to meet face to face, there's something it's, really special yeah, about it. Yeah. Um, and it was a joy to meet you. And it's a joy to chat to you again. Um, and thank you so, so much for uh, coming to chat with me. Thank you for having me. And see you on West Bay one of these days with dogs. Absolutely. Let's do it. It's a date. Cool. <laughs> Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino was America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.